um, getting ready to leave for church. My kids were fighting, which is not unusual. And Canada and Rio had this battle going over this game. Who, who plays Pokemon Go? Are you guys, there's people here. Are you looking? Are they here? Are there Pokemons here? There are Pokemon. Okay, I don't even know what this is. Because they're talking about Pokemon. And they're having this argument. And they're fighting over it. And I'm, I'm like, you know, trying to get everybody ready. I'm trying to look like I halfway showered, you know. And I, I was like, listen, this, you have to stop. And, they, and Rio and Canada, they just like look over at me. And I, I was like, Rio, this fighting, it's like, it's getting inside my soul. And she, she goes, Mom, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> and so they went on. And it was just such a funny response. I mean, she's five, but that was her take on my, um, my two cents. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. So I don't know Pokemon, and they don't know what it means to wreck my soul. So we're good. Um, but anyway, we, we're going to jump in this morning. I, um, I absolutely love the opportunity to come and to share with you. I sometimes feel like, uh, when I say yes, then the week, the week leading up to that Sunday is always most challenging. It's always difficult for me to find time by myself and in thought. So today, what I want to share with you is something that I'm personally feeling. And I, and I think that this would be a reflection of what you're going through too. When we think about following Jesus, I, I would bet if I were to sit down one by one with every person in this room, every one of you would give me a different answer. What does following Jesus mean to you? And you would tell me something different than the person before and the person after. And it would be different than my answer too. You know, some of us would have specific things that we, we feel like, okay, if I do this, this means I'm following Jesus. And some of you might say something more as it's a feeling of, of this. This means I'm following Jesus. Or if I, you know, if I don't yell at my kids and if I don't fight with my spouse and if I have integrity with my taxes or whatnot, we might all have different things that we come up with when we think of what it means to follow Jesus. And I actually, to be perfectly honest, like if I was to sit and just close my eyes and try to imagine what my life would look like if I was absolutely following Jesus the way that I was supposed to, the way that I was intended to, I'm pretty certain that what I would picture would look nothing like my life, right? Like what would come to my mind would, would probably be nothing like the life I actually live. I think that for many of us, actually probably for most of us, we live somewhere kind of between the life we're actually living and then the life we, we want to be living or think we should be living. We kind of teeter between those two thoughts of what's reality and, and what we, act, we picture should be of who we are. And that's frustrating because we, we spend a lot of time wishing and thinking and wondering if we could just be this way, following Jesus would be so much easier. I think that the picture that I have in my head, you know, kind of goes maybe something like this. Like I, I would get a full eight hours of sleep. That would be helpful. I would have a lot less noise and people in my life. That would be great. I could definitely follow Jesus then. You know, I think I would have a lot less stress. You know, I would try to cut out some of the stressors. And then I would really be a really good follower if I could do that. You know, I would have a lot more time alone uh, in prayer and in meditation and scripture reading and study. I mean, then I would really be living the way that Jesus wants me to live, right? 
I mean, my picture might just be my picture, but yours would be your own. You'd have some kind of created image of what it would be if you could just get it all right. You know, all the ducks are in a row, and then you're really following Jesus well. I imagine that we each would come up with something very unique to us and different from one another. Which presents a problem because have you ever really looked at scripture and, and see, you could see these instructions and these commands of Jesus and we're supposed to learn to follow him. And in Matthew, we've been walking through the story and we've been learning about the life of Jesus and it's been such a wonderful, a few months that we've been walking through these stories and, and really early on, right away in, this li- in the life that we're reading of Jesus, you know, we read of this story where he goes and he calls his first disciples to him. Matthew chapter 4, he calls his first disciples and they're fishing. They're, fishing. they're casting, you know, their lines and their nets and they're fishing. This is their life. This is their trade. And he says, you know, you need to leave those behind and you need to come and follow me. And we don't really know much else about that moment, but we know that they follow him. And he says, leave what you have behind and come and follow me. And then further on in this story in Matthew, um, Jesus is then sending out the disciples. So they've done some following and he's sending them out to go do work on their own. In Matthew chapter 10, he's giving them instructions of this is how you go. And when you go to this place, this is what you do and this is what you should take with you. And he says to them, um, and anyone who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And whoever finds his life will, sorry, I'm kind of stuck here. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever uh, loses his life for my sake will find it. And then in a a different gospel in Luke, um, Luke chapter nine, his language, the language there says, one should deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. And then last week when Jeff was sharing with us, he gives us the story of a disciple who's asking Jesus, you know, how do I follow? And Jesus says, you know, you need to, to not worry about your father because he was saying, I need to go first bury my father. And Jesus says, follow me and let the dead bury their own. So like just a little recap. He says, leave all, leave all you have behind and follow me. Take up your cross and follow me. Lose your life to find your life and lose your life for my sake to find your life. And, and then let the dead bury their own. So it, it's no wonder we have a hard time maybe trying to figure out what on earth does it mean to follow Jesus? I mean, really, if, if somebody was to approach you and say, you know, you know what? You got to leave everything you have behind so that you can fully follow Jesus. You can give your life to him, that you can really follow him. I think it's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like the, the faith journey that I began when I was a, just a little girl growing up in church, that as life has gotten fuller and uh, busier, and there's a lot more factors in my life now than there was when I was five, My mom did a lot of things for me. It was really great following Jesus then. And then when you get older and you have so much that happens in life, how do we effectively follow Jesus? Because we have this incredible call to be light to the world. We have this incredible call to be love, to be a voice for who God is, to be able to be a reflection of his image to the people around us, to our families, our friends. So, you know, I don't know if, you, if you're like me, but I, 
this is kind of how my brain works. I think of things like, okay, I need to know how to follow Jesus when I'm on a 40-hour road trip with my kids. That's when I need to know how does that, how do I do that? Or when I'm on hold with the insurance company because my social security number was entered incorrectly. And so I'm trying to prove that I'm a United States citizen with my two-year-old like on my leg the entire call, probably over an hour on the phone with United Healthcare. And, and, and like, I'm trying to think, okay, I need to be Christ-like. I need, but like, you know, these are things that happen. And all I wanted to do was like slam the phone. But like, you know, I'm, I'm following Jesus, right? And what about, you know, when life gets hard and you face a hardship, a loved one dies, your work is overwhelming. You know, maybe marriage is hard right now. Maybe parenthood or relationships or maybe just being who you are seems like a struggle, conflict. How do we follow? How on earth is it possible to follow Jesus when we can't take all the hard stuff away? No one in this room is exempt from hardship. And that's something that Liz, you know, you started off sharing with us. Not one person can, could say that they are pain-free, worry-free, stress-free, hardship-free. It happens to every person and every one of us that's trying really hard to figure out how to follow Jesus. It happens to you too. You know, one thing that really strikes me in all of these instructions, all these encounters that we see of Jesus and how he's giving these instructions... What he says is, it's really interesting, the words, because he's saying, follow me. He doesn't say worship me. He says, follow me, imitate me, walk closely with me, do what I do, mirror after me. And I think a lot of times in churches, we get a little bit hung up on worship, uh, which, which I think it's just the language that we're kind of missing the point. You know, we maybe battle with other churches or other denominations or friends or family that don't do it like we do it or we we feel differently about how we should worship Jesus and really the instructions that we see again and again then and to Jesus's followers on this earth and now is that we are to follow him so what does that look like you know how do we do that now There's this beautiful story in the book of John, and that's where I want to focus on today. And I love this story, and I think it gets overlooked sometimes because I think that sometimes when we think of a Pharisee in Scripture, we often think of, you know, the religious elite. You know, they were kind of these bullies. They were trying to get Jesus, like, tripped up on what he knew and who he was. They were kind of, you know, skeptics, maybe hypocrites. We hear a lot of that. But there's this beautiful story of a specific Pharisee who came questioning and wondering and really seeking answers from Jesus. And it turns out that as he listened to Jesus, he learned to believe that Jesus was everything that he said he was. And he was one of the Pharisees, one of the only that followed Jesus all the way through to his death, that stood up for him and supported him while many of his followers had deserted. This is in John chapter 3, and we're going to talk about the story of Nicodemus. So John chapter 3, starting in verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. And in reply, Jesus declared... 
I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. So, you know, this puzzles Nicodemus. How can a man be, be born when he is old? Nicodemus asks. Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. And Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to the flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So, so Nicodemus is a, bit, is a bit puzzled by what Jesus is telling him. He comes to Jesus in the middle of the night, which to, you know, in, in all ways indicates that he was trying to be secretive. He did not want to be seen approaching Jesus because he knew that among his crowd that that would, that would not look, be, be looked upon well. Um, because he was really trying to get an answer for, for his questioning, what he was thinking. He, it, it just wasn't adding up. He was having trouble seeing the spirit, the presence of God within the religious institution. It just didn't make sense to him. And so he comes and he asks of Jesus this question in the night. You know, what does it mean to be, how, how does a man, how do I be, be uh, you know, am, am I able to see the kingdom of God? What is it that I need to do? So he's, it's this salvation question. You know, what is it that I need to do to be saved? So he doesn't really understand because Jesus, you know, starts off and he says, you know, the spirit is like a womb and you must be born again. You know, in order to have new life, you must have brand new eyes and be born again. Well, in Nicodemus, he's thinking, I'm old. Like, what are you talking about? How would an old man like myself, you know, reenter the womb and be born for a second time? And he's puzzled. And so Jesus, he still doesn't, he doesn't quite get it. So Jesus says, you know, the spirit is like water. To see God's kingdom, you must be washed and reborn. And Nicodemus is kind of puzzled still and, and wondering, what is it that Jesus is talking about? And so finally, Jesus says to him, the spirit is like the wind. The windy spirit blows wherever it pleases. And you can hear it and you can see its effects, but you don't know from where and when it's coming. It comes and it shows up and it's there and it's present, but we don't know when and where and why it does. You know, it's the same for those of us who have been reborn or would use that phrase born again. Because if you were to think through the, your life and think of the moment that you made that choice to really reposition who you were to begin learning to follow after Jesus, it wasn't something that you did or earned or that your parents had achieved or it wasn't the certain upbringing that you had or your you know, status in, in society. It was an undeserved gift of grace that was given to you and it, and it came and it changed your life, Right? It was probably a moment that many of you, you know, think back on and you remember there was, a, there was something that happened to you that you couldn't really explain, you couldn't really articulate, but you knew that you were different, that you knew that something in you had shifted and had caused you this longing to be new, this longing to be changed. You know, salvation isn't an eternal security scheme or it's it's not this plan to to rid the the good from the bad or to separate them you know it's it's not something that we um use as a pathway to get us to to heaven 
It is something that changes who we are on this earth so that we learn to follow after Jesus. Because it's this short, short and brief moment that we have in history. You know, really, when you think of the time that you spend on this earth, it's just but a moment. It's just but a second. And it's your time. It's our time to be able to be the light and the love shining for those around of us to see. It's the most beautiful gift of redemption, you know, that not one of us deserves. And that spirit shows up and changes who we are. And so this is what Jesus is trying to explain to Nicodemus. You know, sometimes I think that what keeps us from seeing what the spirit is doing in our world and in our lives is that, you know, it it might be just as plain as day as, as my hand is in front of my face. If we would learn to see the world as God would have us see it. And it's the stuff, it's the busyness, it's the stress, it's all the things that that take up and occupy our space that distracts us from seeing the way God would have us see our world and the people that are right in front of us. You know, it's kind of crazy and, and annoying and beautiful and mysterious all at the same time because the way that the Spirit of God moves is exactly it's exactly the thing that we can't, I mean, it's out of our control. You know, it's, there's not one of us that control what God will do, but we can see with our eyes what he is doing. We can pay attention to the way that he's moving around us and around our world. If I, you know, if I were to ask every one of us in here to close your eyes, and if you were to like, just, just close your eyes and just take a moment and think about, think about what a day in the life of you looks like. You know, try to imagine what your day looks like when you start and, and, and then as you continue and you, you go to the next thing and then, and then the next thing and you make it all the way through to dinner and you have, you know, some th- things that you do in the evening and getting your kids to bed or, or perhaps being with a loved one or a friend or responding to something. I think everybody want, everyone here, when you close your eyes and you take a moment to think, it's hard not to imagine the stress it's hard not to picture the chaos. I know that I do. I think of that to-do list and that the things that I won't get done that I know I need to do, but I probably won't get to. It's hard to imagine your life without all of the things that it really contains. And so the challenge in learning to follow Jesus is to be able to see that his spirit is present regardless of our stuff. His spirit is working regardless of our stuff. It's moving and it's affecting and, and really it's our opportunity to be able to see, just like my hand is right in front of my face, how it is all around us all the time. Nicodemus struggled to see that the spirit was outside the religious institution. You know, he was a, a high religious leader and he had this position where, you know, what they were learning and what they were teaching was that there was some kind of contained atmosphere. You know, only certain people of certain status could approach the Holy of Holies. And what Jesus is saying to him is, that's not really how it works. And what Jeff said to us last week, the church is is a whole lot more than a place where we have walls and we gather together because it's alive, it's moving And really, we don't have the control of how the Spirit chooses to move and when he chooses to show up and who he chooses to use. You know, it's usually like the least likely person that we could think of that God is choosing to say, you know what, I'm going to use that. I'm going to use that young girl 
I'm going to raise up that young guy and I'm going to use them to, to make a, and a huge difference and a huge impact on this world. You know, we try to sometimes um, imagine that it's by what we do and by the things that we accomplish that, you know, earns a certain achievement in our faith and our following of him. So what if following Jesus had a lot more to do with recognizing his work of the spirit than it did with, with us really doing things to follow him? What if it was more to do with us learning how to celebrate and imitate and inspire those around us to pay attention to how his spirit is present and is good? You know, as Jesus is wrapping up his words to Nicodemus in this chapter, he, he says this to him. And this verse has really stood out to me and has been something I've been thinking about this week. And I don't know if I still can even wrap my head around it. But, but in verse 21, he says, But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Like my brain right now, is it's so hard to even totally comprehend that. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. I I would dream of a day that when people would watch my life, they would say, I can see that she walks with God because what she does stands out. It's different. His love is with her. It shines through her. And I would dream of that being said of every one of us here, that when people would look at the grove and and look at the people who come and make up this community, that it would be said of you that when people are watching what you do, it, it is apparent that God is with you and you are following him. To be a follower who can be seen by others as, as being one that's doing things with God. You know, we can't directly see the Spirit, but we can see the effects of the Spirit, right? In Galatians uh, chapter 5, this is what Paul tells us about the effects of the Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, he writes, But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, Right? I can't even imagine what life would be like if we didn't have these qualities. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We cannot see how and when and where the Spirit will show up, but we can see the fruit of the Spirit all around us. You know, I saw uh, love Every time, um, and I say this every time because I have done this four times, but every time I gave birth, I literally saw love embodied like in these tiny little humans that I had the opportunity to get to raise, you know, that fight now about Pokemon. But even still, it was this moment that I knew that God was actually 100% real was in the moment that I could see my babies for the first time. I knew it. I just knew it, you know, and that was love. And I saw joy when I got to travel with some of you from the Grove and and go to Guatemala and dedicate a home to a widow who had not ever had her own home. And we got to pray a prayer of blessing and just the look in her face, you know, it's a joy that you can't even describe. And that is the spirit and it's present all the time. And I felt peace after, you know, our son Cannon had gone through 
a pretty traumatic head injury and he had to be home from school. And when they finally released him to go back to school, it was like this weight like that had been sitting on me just lifted off my chest. And I knew he was going to be okay. And that was peace, you know. And I saw patients when, you know, many of you guys know Tim and Mindy Warner. And they had this uh, experience with their daughter, Natalie. And she had to get the surgery. And she was in a body cast. And she was in the body cast a lot longer than they had expected. And I saw patience with them. Like their, their resilience was inspiring to watch, right? I saw kindness when my friend Paula, one day she showed up and she said, give me all your laundry. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm not giving you my laundry. I have like 10 loads. And she's like, nope, I'm taking all your laundry. She took every last bit of laundry from my house. Six people have a lot of laundry. And she washed it and, and brought it back folded, ready to go. Kindness. I saw goodness when I received a message that when we were out of town, traveling up to see family, there was a group of people from the church that traveled just down the road to Hawthorne Heights and threw a birthday party for a teenage girl who didn't have family to celebrate with. They were not family to her, but they made her their own and they brought a cake and presents and they made her day. That's goodness. And I witness faithfulness every time I walk into this church. Every time I walk into this church and I see Debbie White and Beth Fairley and Heather Burgess and some people and uh, TJ and listen, AJ, I see faithfulness. And that's something that, that you cannot, you can't put into words. I mean, why do people keep showing up here? You know, I don't know. <laughs> can't get rid of them. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I, can't, I can't imagine my life without those people cheering me on and telling me not to quit and telling me that it's worth it to get my butt in here. <laughs> you know, and I, I think of self-control when I think of, you know, when we were home and we got to visit my family, I got to sit with my grandma who just had her 96th birthday. And she, I mean, she's just this crazy awesome woman like I wish all of you could meet her and she's her mind is kind of going and she doesn't quite remember everything but man her story and her life and what she's gone through and the discipline that it took to be who she was or to be who she is is just it blows my mind and it's self-control it's discipline you know it's when we see the spirit all around us showing up in our lives every single day we learn how to follow Jesus We can't predict it, but we can sure see its fruit. We can't predict it, but you can sure pay attention to when it's happening all around you. And we can really either, you know, kind of go one of two ways. We can get so caught up and focused on all the things that make life, you know, pretty hard and kind of suck. You know, we can really stay stuck there and, and be resentful and angry and hateful that life is the way that it is. Or we can choose to have these open eyes and experience the world the way God intended us to. That even when our mess seems so big, we can understand that the spirit of God is always present and it's always moving. And it shows up just when you need it, right? With the love and the joy and the peace and patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. I'm going to share you guys a story with you guys. I, I want to leave this story with you, and I'm going to invite the band to come back up on stage uh, with this story. 
And it's really interesting because Liz and I, like, this is the first time we talked, this was this morning, right? Right? Um, she was gone, and, and I had kind of a busy week, and I, I, she said, do you have any songs that you want the band to sing? And I'm like, look, I don't even know if I'm going to have anything to say. So you all just do your thing, and I'll just do my thing. And, um, and she came, and she, you know, she shared that story of what she had gone through. And so when I tell this story, you're actually going to think, wow, we, had, um, we must have talked, but I promise we didn't. So there's a woman um, in this ancient village, and she, she woke up one day, and she discovered that her daughter had died in the night. And she was beside herself, I and mean, she couldn't imagine losing her child. And so the devastation propelled her to go, and she grabbed her daughter in her arms, and she traveled around her village, and she begged anyone that could help her, can you please help me? I need a healer. I need someone to come and help me with my daughter. She has died. Can you help me? And person after person said, I, no, I, you know, we, I don't know. We can't help you. And finally, she came to a man and, and that, that said, I know someone that can help you and he is a healer that lives high up on the mountain you need to go to him so she said okay i'm really i'm so desperate just thank you I, i'm gonna i'll make the the, the the journey so she took her daughter and her body she she grabbed her she strapped her up on her back and she took the journey up the mountain to go find the healer she went up to the healer and when she got there she explained what had happened she said i was sent to you i was told that you could help me because my daughter needs healing she's died and i can't go on i can't imagine this life without her and he said yes i can help you but this is what i'm going to need you to do i need a rare mustard seed from your village that must come from a home that's never been touched with suffering And when you find that, I want you to bring it back to me and I will be able to heal your daughter. And she, she said, okay, yes, absolutely. I I'm, I'm willing to do that. I will go, I will go to every house in my village and I will find it. And so she, you know, went down, she took the journey down back to the village and she went door to door in her village and said, okay, this is, this is the story. I went to the healer and he said, I, I, I need to find this rare mustard seed. Do you have any mustard seed in your home? Um, but here's the thing. You also have, have to have never experienced darkness or pain or suffering. Can you help me? In every home that she went to, they would respond, well, you know, no, I mean, we, we actually can't because we've gone through and they would tell them her story, tell her their story. And home after home after home, she, she began to accumulate all these stories of people who had gone through tragedy and hurt and suffering and pain. And not one home could she find that mustard seed to be able to take back to the healer. But after several days of talking to people in her village and discovering what it was that they were also going through, she felt a peace that she had not felt before. And she came back to her home and she buried her daughter. And when the healer had found this out and came and questioned and asked, you know, well, you know, I never saw you. You never came back. She said, you know what? It It was... What I hadn't expected is that every story I heard gave me more peace that I wasn't alone. That what I was going through was very, very difficult and extremely painful. I was given peace because I could see that my suffering wasn't alone. Everybody had a story and that that everybody's story filled me with peace. I buried my daughter and I knew that God was with me. 
And I tell you that story because we certainly aren't exempt to the hardships of life. We certainly are not free from, you know, just because following Jesus, you know, is what we're maybe we're choosing to do. It does not mean that there are not going to be hard times and things that we struggle and things that we go through. But what, what we can know is that we are not alone. That you can look around this room and you can gar- I can guarantee you that there are other people that are going through similar, if not, you know, maybe the same thing that you have gone through and experienced. They felt and they, they've gone through in their world. You know, I think that following Jesus probably will forever be a complicated thing to wrap our, our minds around. But maybe it's more about being able to see his presence in this world than it is in learning to follow him just so. Maybe it's learning to to recognize that his spirit is present and it's around us and it's within us and it's empowering us to, to be who we are even when it is very hard. The windy spirit chooses where it will be. We cannot cannot predict when it will show up and what it will do, but it should inspire us to keep following. It should inspire us to celebrate those things that we notice of the fruit that's all around us. Much of following really has a lot to do with seeing, really, being able to see this world in the way that God has made us to see it. Would you guys uh, stand with me this morning? pray and we're going to worship together and what I want you guys to do is to think about maybe you know maybe it's closing your eyes maybe it's really thinking about your day maybe it's uh, considering how present God really is even if when you came in here you felt like maybe he wasn't we're going to sing a couple songs together and worship and, and I really would just ask you to use this time to allow God to speak to your hearts to on him to think about what it is for you to follow him can we pray together thank you God for gathering us together as a body, as a family as a community thank you God that we are not alone in who we are and what we're going through in this life that we're living I pray that you would open our eyes that we might see your presence all around us and the people that are all around us. That we might see the fruit of your spirit all around us. I pray, God, that we would leave this place without noticing how present you are in in our brothers and sisters. That's how we see you and that's how we learn to follow you, to be more like you because we see images of Christ in one another. And I pray, God, that as we worship that we would take this time to just turn our hearts, our thoughts, just to turn off the distractions and to think on you. Think of this week how we might walk a little closer to you. Thank you for being with us, God. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for surrounding us with your love. I pray that as we worship that you would be honored with our hearts, that that our hearts would be challenged in the way that we follow you, God. Pray these things in